0: Good evening everyone and welcome. Tonight's class is titled, Joy Following Sadness. I'd like to begin by sharing a story from Rabbi Yisrael of Roshan. Im Lavan Garti, the Torah portion this week starts off sharing how Yaakov Avinu lived by his uncle, who later became his father-in-law, Lavan. And he says, Im Lavan Garti, By Lavan, I lived. Rashi says, Garti is a really weird word. You ever heard the word in Ivrit, Garti? It's, it's, it's an abstract word. You, it's not the normal wording you're going to use to say, I dwelled with my uncle. Why, says Rashi, Why does same say love Lavan Garti? The second, the second explanation is, V'tariag Mitzvais shamarti. In Lavan Garti, I lived with Lavan, and I kept all six hundred and thirteen mitzvos. <coughs> Just to explain, Garti it doesn't, it doesn't
1: say the six hundred and thirteen mitzvot in the Torah, however.
0: Correct. Garti, if you so. switch around the letters. Garthi has the same letters of 613. Tough Resh, Yud, Gimel, Tar, Yag. 613 is in the word Garthi. So with love, and I lived, I lived, meaning I kept all 613 mitos. Allow me to share something. It's going to move away from Tanya, but I must share one of, to me, the most novel ideas I've personally learned that the Rebbe shared. There are many. And I haven't learned many But I want to share with you one that's unbelievable In this week's Torah portion I just shared with you Sorry First I was sharing a story <laughs> And then I'll share with you this novel explanation So the story With love and I leave, Says Yaakov with, When I was by love and I kept all 613 mitzvot Rabbi Yisrael of Ruzhin, About 300 years ago He had a chassid who would, He had a follower who did business in Danzig Did I say the word correct? Dan- 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 Danzig Danzig he used to go to the fair there and do business. He was involved in transporting timber. And his rabbi, Rabbi of Rujin tells him, No, where do you have more, ho- more appropriate and holy thoughts? When you're here, in my court, or when you're in Danzig, doing your business. So the chassid... He says, it's a good question. I'm always surprised myself that when I'm in Danzig and they don't over there have the virtues of modesty where the community is made up of irreligious German Jews where the fear of heaven is not common it is there my thoughts are purer than when I am at home. So he's telling the Rebbe when I'm near you or let's just say it in the positive. When I'm away from you, I have more appropriate thoughts. And so, Rabbi Yisrael shares the following insight. He said, I'm going to quote it. The reason is simple, expl- explained Rabbi Yisrael. Holiness finds itself there to be an unsought after stranger. When therefore finds some Jew, whoever he may be, to cling to and hold him tight. In Danzig, there weren't people that were following Judaism appropriately. There weren't many. And you being someone who was working to do that had the holiness clinging to you stronger. With love and I sojourned, when I, when you're sometimes when you're away from a strong community, sometimes that brings out the ability for you to connect in an even stronger way. And we see this many times, there's many stories, good evening, uh, many stories of people who were in Israel, very irreligious, and then they went off to some foreign town and they connected with their heritage. I myself am familiar with some stories of people coming to Portland and somehow that aroused their Judaism within them when they lived previously in this massive active Jewish community. Okay, so I needed to share this novel insight. Yaakov says, I kept all 613 mitzvahs. It's not true. Can anyone tell me a mitzvah that Yaakov did not keep? Well, he was in Iran, so
1: he wasn't. He couldn't keep the sacrifices in the
0: temple mitzvahs. Yeah, but he, he, he kept them. He did his best. There's one mitzvah. Which allow me for the, con- for the context of our conversation to say he transgressed. He didn't transgress it. But in our context, I want to say he transgressed the mitzvah. Could anyone share what the mitzvah is? Say it again? Nope. Thank God he had one. Oh, I, I think
2: uh, when he was leaving, Milan and um, um, his. Let's see. It has something to do with uh, taking an idol from
0: the Bible. That, that was his wife, Rachel, did it. She had holy intentions. There is a clear verse in the Torah that says, el lo And a woman and her sister, you are not allowed to marry. It's a clear verse in the Torah. Did you just say this, Baruch? I told him Oh, you should have said it aloud. You would have gotten the brownie points. <laughs> el lo you're not allowed to marry a si- two sisters.
1: The the Torah, I thought
0: that wasn't- <laughs> now, Yaakov Avinu himself says, "I kept all six hundred and thirteen mitzvot." Vitar yag mitzvot shemarti. What if one dies? You're supposed to. One second. One second. Yaakov married two live sisters within seven days of each other. Just to add, within seven days of each other, he married two live, two two living sisters. Rachel and Seven years. Seven days. He had to work another seven years, but. He worked seven years, and then he married the first one, thinking it's Rachel. He was tricked after the seven years. And then after seven days, after, seven days after the trick, he married Rachel. From there we learn you need to wait seven days of, of, uh, for a wedding celebration. One place to be So, how could Yaakov say, I kept all the mitzvahs? He actually transgressed a mitzvah. A clear mitzvah in the Torah.
1: Maybe they all threw shoes
0: at one another. Maybe they all threw shoes at one another and then he would be exempt? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Here is an unbelievable novel insight. Yaakov Avinu had to keep the Torah. He had taken upon himself to keep the Torah. But he also needed to keep all the laws that the non-Jews had taken upon themselves as a people to keep. For example, we have the Sheva Mitzvahs of Noach, the seven Noahide laws, but there were more items that the people as a whole had accepted upon themselves. How do I know this? Well, let's continue the story fast-forward for a moment. Yaakov screams at his father-in-law. He says, you tricked me. You're not allowed to trick me. Oh, you gave me the wrong, wrong wife. Why didn't his father-in-law just say, "Why can I trick you?" He should have just said that. He was a trickster. We know Levin was was Yaakov was so worried he would be tricked. Let's. Yaakov knew he was going to be tricked, right? What did he do to Rachel? He made signs with her. He he looks her in the face. He says, "Your father is going to try and put someone else up there." Let's make let's make signs. He knew he he was ready for the spiel. He didn't know how bad the spiel would be. And he didn't know that Rachel was going to give up the signs not to embarrass her sister. From here we learn out that it's better to... Okay, a lot we could learn from this story.
1: (laughs) May I ask a question here? No. (laughs) I I may not answer. I'm going to listen to the question. Is the regulation still there or is this just a a, a custom?
0: Did the older sister have to be married first? There's no such a thing in the Torah as an older sister needing to be married first there is such a custom but even unfortunately even unfortunately in our communities, if an older sister does not marry after does not marry we ask permission from that older sister there's a system how you go about it but the younger sister can marry first okay. Yeah. so we when Yaakov First, his father-in-law and says, you tricked me. His father-in-law agrees that he wasn't allowed to do it, but he says, oh, I was wrong, but I have a custom. I can't marry. He made up an excuse. We understand that at that point in, in time, the people as a whole had accepted upon themselves not to lie. And in other words, to keep their promises. Listen to this. Jacobino had, so now, which of the two comes first? Which one is more important to Yaakov at this time? To keep the items that the world as a whole has accepted upon themselves or the 613 mitzvos? Which one of these two groups was necessary for Yaakov to keep? What everyone had accepted upon themselves as a whole or the mitzvos? The answer is that the, one, the more important group is the group of items that the people as a whole have accepted upon themselves. To keep your word. Yaakov cannot keep the 613 mitzvot if it will go against keeping his word. Once the Torah was given, we must keep the Torah. But before the Torah was given, Yaakov was trying to do something extra you could only do something, don't they always tell you? You could only do something extra if you're doing what you need to do. Now add to it. If Yaakov is going to keep what everyone at that period of time had accepted upon themselves, on top of that he can do the Torah. But the Torah cannot contradict what everyone has agreed to. Let's translate this into story. Yaakov made a promise to Rachel, I'm going to marry you. The Torah the, was, He was not commanded to keep the Torah. So he has a commandment that he's accepted upon himself to keep his word. That's something that he needs to keep. The Torah, which he's doing as uh, he's going above and beyond cannot contradict his statement to Rachel. So since he committed to Rachel to marry her he needs to keep that although it's going to go against the Torah because the Torah was an addition at that time. Did, Did that make sense Yeshua?
2: That's uh, what I'm hearing. <laughs> I found it. what I'm hearing. Another way to put it is the Noahide laws. <laughs> uh, the the six hundred and thirteen mitzvot were subordinate to the Noahide laws at that time.
0: At that time, exactly. It's a novel insight. Yes, yes. I'll tell you one more point. That just I'll tell you one more fascinating thing. How many sisters did Yaakov marry? Two. Two. Here's a Rashi. Here's a Rashi for all of you to learn. He married four sisters. Are you familiar with this Rashi, Dr. Malov? Yeah, no, but was, uh, yeah, the other
1: two were the. Uh, yeah,
0: Billah and Zilpa were Lavan's children from a maidservant. So that means all four wives had the same father. Interesting Rashi. And I. You, you're welcome to go ahead and. And, and look more into the story there's so many fascinating insights that we can learn could learn did he from the marry them he married four or did they come with the uh, with the two he sons? married he, no no it took, Yaakov had four mothers and we as Jewish people have four mothers we have three fathers mm-hmm. and four mothers
1: they were treated
2: as concubines so
0: well, actually, I'm going. I'm getting confused. Four mothers is going to Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. Yeah, I think I'm it was getting confused.
2: Subservient to Rachel
0: Rachel. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 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 Completely. I, I don't want to go there right now, but I want to summarize what I shared. Just well, what I shared was that Yaakov Avinu, how could he go against what the Torah says and marry two sisters? That's because <coughs> at that time he had to keep his word before doing something extra keeping the Torah. Let's bring ourselves back over here. We're talking about sadness. We're talking about sadness. Ah, I want to now share a Gemara. Share a Gemara. Gemara is going to lead us into sadness. Or into being happy. Okay. The Gemara says like this. Dafei Yamud Aleph 5A The Gemara shares Imru tremble and sin not, reflect in your hearts while on your beds and be utterly silent, Selah. The verse Shears Amar Rabalevi Barcham Arma Rab Shim Ben Lakish, Rab Levi Barcham as said in the name of Rab Shim Ben Lakish. A person should constantly agitate his good inclination to fight against his evil inclination. You constantly need to have your 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 tov angry, yarges, You have to be mad at your animalistic soul. This is not Tanya right now. I'm talking. We're talking brachot heymadalef. Shenemar, how do I know that you have to take your animal, your godly soul, and get it all heated up? The verse says, "Rigzu, if you tremble and are agitated, al ato, you won't sin." Ah, but what happens if you're not successful? Im Okay, if you've won over the animalistic soul, mamutav, amazing. Vimlav, if the Anger has not succeeded to accomplish the task. but Torah, you should study Torah. How do I know? So the verse continues. Shinemar, imru vilvavchem, reflect in your heart. Imru. Imru is a reflection to speak. Amar, get involved in Torah. However, if you've gotten your animalistic soul, if you've gotten your godly soul heated up, and you've learned Torah, Now, if you've been successful, fantastic. But if you have not been successful, before you go to sleep, you should read the Shema. We learn amazing things about people that say Shema before they go to sleep. We learn how there's a double-sided sword protecting them at night, both from godly, both from inappropriate thoughts, both from uh, in in physical in spiritual ways. Physical ways. Saying Shema before you go to sleep is an amazing. It's. Yes, you should do that. Shinamar, now how do I know that this is the third step to going ahead and protecting yourself from the animalistic, from, the, from evil? Shneamar, the verse continues, Al Mishkavchem, you should go ahead, Mishkav, where you're going to lie down, before you lie down, a reference to the Shema before you go to sleep. If you've been successful by going ahead and saying Shema before you go to sleep, beautiful. And if not, you should remember the day of death. Remember that unfortunately there's gonna, That Hashem has created a cycle. Shinemar, how do I know? Be utterly silent. The verse concludes that remember the day that you'll be utterly silent. In reference to the day someone passes on. So, we need to conquer evil and we've we've said four steps. First go ahead and try and rile up the godly soul against the animalistic soul. If that doesn't work, go ahead and study Torah. If that doesn't work, say Shema before you go to sleep. And if that doesn't work, remember the day of death. A lot of the commentators in the Gemara say that that the Gemara means literally you constantly have to be riled up against the animalistic soul. You always have to be mad. Tanya is now going to say That's not, let's, let's read the Tanya let's read the Talmud a little deep, more a little deeper person when we say something is constant it doesn't mean it needs to be every moment there's two types of constant: constant could be never stopping or constant could be that there is a, a pattern that's being followed, a constant pattern. Meaning it doesn't have to be every moment, but constantly happening at a certain an intervals. I'll give you an example. In parshat in Tetzaveh we learn um, the Torah is talking about lighting the menorah. And it says... That you constantly have to light the menorah, but you can't constantly light the menorah. It means that every da- every day at the same time you need to light the menorah. When something is done in at a in a in a, in a path, pattern, that could also be considered something constant. So when the Talmud says "leolam forever," it doesn't mean every moment you need to be mad and and. and, and uh, Riled up No, it means at a certain pattern of intervals you have to have your animal your godly soul riled up against your animalistic soul. When is this? When I see it inside. OK, we're in the middle of chapter 31. we're on page 140. in the middle of chapter 31, page 140 <coughs> In the middle of the last paragraph on the page, about nine lines from the bottom, therefore the rabbis of blessed. It's the middle of the line. Do we see it? Therefore the rabbis of blessed. Again, page, one, page chapter 31, page 140, right hand column, nine lines from the bottom, therefore the rabbis of blessed memory. <clears throat> Do we have it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maxim, you have it? It's Therefore, the rabbis of blessed memory said that a person should always rouse the good impulse. And the quote is not concluded here, but we read it previously in the Talmud. A person should always rouse the good impulse against the evil impulse. So first, Tanya clarifies, we don't mean every minute, you always need to be riled up. That is, whenever he perceives in his soul that he is in need of it. Okay, the first thing is, when a person sees that this is a time I need to go ahead and rile up my godly soul, then make it happen, the Talmud is telling you. Why? Why would you need to go ahead and rile up the godly soul? We concluded, we concluded previously learning that evil in its source is good. We discussed last week that everything in this world can only exist if there's godliness in it. And if you go to the root of the godliness, there's good in it. <clears throat> Sometimes we can't understand how certain things happen, okay, because we're human. But everything in its source is good. So at times when something is distracting you and disturbing you, we have to go to its source. And what is the source of evil? Strictness within godliness. Gevura. So if you want to go ahead and reveal the source and the good within bad, you need to, we need to be reaching out for the Holy givura, the holy part of strictness, of severity. What that means in practical words for us is that sometimes it is important for us to respond to challenges with severity. We need to respond to challenges with sadness. Sadness comes from Gevura. That means you're being tough on yourself. And we ask, how could you be sad and godliness? God, God only has happiness. No. God doesn't only have happiness. There's a tense fear. One of the spheres is severity. Sometimes, and when tough challenges are coming, sometimes we need to react to them by arousing their source, which is strictness. Strictness within us will bring out sadness. Hmm. But, go ahead.
2: Is sadness really the right word? Or is it a lack of frivolity? Is it, is strictness like determination, resolve? which is not something that you take lightly. It's not something that you laugh about. An example would be useful. I don't have one, but I'm trying to understand. You know, you double down.
0: An example of, an example of what, sorry?
2: Of what makes, what description causes sadness?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I I think, I think, I could, I think we because could do that. Because
2: misery. A lack of joy.
0: So, in our context, what I have in mind, and then we can tell me... In our context, what I have in mind is... When challenges come people's way, sometimes they'll go ahead and they'll make an accounting of their life. They'll try and figure out why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. In our specific context... Severity means thinking about what's happening in your life, where you're holding in your life, and that can cause sadness. I haven't fulfilled my full potential. Which is generally something as as Jewish people, we don't want you to be sad, we want you to be happy. Mm -hmm. However, what we're saying now is, that there are times for you to be sad. Sad? Yes. Realizing how you are not who you ultimately can be. The reason we want that is because that sadness is sourcing back to Gevura. And we're hoping that that sourcing back to Gavura is going to trigger the essence of the bad itself. Which comes from the gevura within kedusha? Is that too much? Like, should we try and break it down again? Let me say one more time. Let me say one more time. Whenever something happens to a person, Hashem is involved. There is nothing in this world that Hashem is not involved in. Good or bad, Hashem is behind everything. Which means that if something bad is happening in your life, hopefully you can try and reveal the godliness within it and remove the negativity from what's happening. If nothing, if everything comes from God, so try and elicit God to remove the challenge and make it good. How can you do that? By revealing the good that is found within the item challenging you now. We're not saying to accept bad. That's not what I'm saying now. That's not what we're learning. We're not saying when something bad happens, sometimes people people will share when something bad happens, it's from God. It's really good for you. I'm really sorry something happened, but it's really good for you. You know that's not what we're saying now. God
2: is, test- you know, Rabbi, God is testing you. I, I would put this in a more uh, I'd take a secular stab at this and okay. say, if you've gone off the rail and you want to get yourself back on, first of all, you have to admit that you're off the rail. You have to try to understand why. Why did I end up in the place that I am on? How did I mess up? Sounds like classic 12, twelve step. It, it, yeah it is, it, yeah it could be I don't I'm not familiar with it but it's very similar. You have to admit that you were wrong. have 12 steps you have to hit bottom right that's part of it right you have to hit bottom you have to realize that you really are on the bottom and then you can start to turn yourself around and get yourself back on track and getting yourself back on track is a return to holiness
0: i appreciate that perspective let me try and repeat it back that by recognizing how far you've gone, that will uh, give you the ability now to become closer.
2: Yeah, you have to admit. Okay. You have to face up. You have to... Accountability. You have to, yeah, you have to hold yourself accountable for what you've done. I
0: believe I'm doing a bad job explaining, then, because it's not that what, that's not what we're trying to share now. Okay, so... No, no, no. I'm actually happy I'm happy you've clarified. Let me try again.
2: Sounds
0: so good. <laughs> no, actually, I believe if the message I'm able to share comes across clearly, it's going to be even greater. Nothing in this world is truly bad. When it comes down here, it could be bad. But it must have a 100% good source. The source can, as it comes down, be covered more and more. That when it comes down here, it truly appears bad. But everything, if you could dig deep, you'll be able to find God in his essence. Otherwise, nothing can exist. Everything has to have, no matter how deep it is, but somewhere there, God's essence. Step one of the 12 steps. No, step one. So, step one is clear?
2: Well, yeah. What what I heard you say is, face it, you live in a world that has challenges bad things happen there is evil there there uh, you were. Go- you will face difficult times but all of these <coughs> all of this evil all those difficult times all has a silver lining in it that you can once you understand it and accept
0: it you can see past it uh, okay, okay, I'm really not doing a good <laughs> job here. I'm really not doing... <laughs> Could you help me out, Dr. Malov? I'm really, I'm really doing... I'm failing. I failed this class so far, Dr. Dr. Malov. And then i was like, is that bad. <laughs> um,
2: so, I was, I was thinking about this before, and if, you, if you're feeling, is that everything that seems bad is really, ultimately, pretty good because Hashem is behind it, which is what you're saying, if, if, if that's your attitude, then how can you fight
0: it? Because it's, because it's ultimately for the good. So, I'm, well, I, I, I'm feeling, like I'm, I'm clearly not getting across the message. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm try and then I, let me try, I'm going to, go Reinsault ahead. says When a
1: person is immersed in Torah and mitzvot, his holy soul is liberated from the bonds of body and clings to God. The soul can experience no greater joy than that. This is so even if his self-identification with his body, an animal soul, remains unchanged in its contemptible and abominable state.
0: I don't like going repeating this, this analogy so often. Thank you, David. I don't like repeating this analogy so often, no. but I'm going to repeat it again because I think it will bring it cl- across the message clearest. <coughs> We've, we've spoken about this example where a king, that evil is like the harlot. And we shared last week that the, in, in this analogy, let's review the analogy, the king it wants to test the morality of his son. So let's, for our conversation, let's say he goes to a ver- a modest person, a modest woman, someone who would never do this. But he says, I need you to do me a favor and I want you to test the morality of my son. I want you to go ahead and do something which is inappropriate. Do it to test my son. And she says, for you, king, I'll do anything. I'm going to do it. I'm going to break myself. And she goes ahead and she's trying to test the king, the the son's morality. She really wants the king's son to not give in to her. However, the king has high. she needs to do her full part. As of current, within this story, the king's son may look at this person as a bad person, but with the little foresight we could see that she's really a good person. Now, if this woman, like we discussed last week, would hire 100 more people, she hires someone who doesn't want to do it, so they hire someone else who doesn't want to do it, until, until finally there has been 100 separate people have passed on the message, on the mission, finally they've got someone who's very low and immoral and is, and is excited to do something bad. So now... It's, it's a little different. Now at this point already the evil is perhaps evil. Let's translate that within our world. In its source there is no evil. There is godliness that wants to bring out the best in us. But as that energy comes down it gets, the godliness within it gets more and more concealed until on this earth The evil itself believes it's evil. The evil itself on this earth believes it's evil. Let me share with you two contradicting quotes. One quote shares two contradicting quotes. One quote says that the Yeter Hara serves Hashem, everything is L'Shem Shemayim. One quote shares from the Talmud that everything the the evil inclination does is with God in mind. The next quote comes and says that the Yetzirah works to basically trap works to trap people. How could you say that too? In its source godliness is focused on Hashem. But as the God in its source the evil is focused on Hashem but as it comes down and is covered over more and more it believes, just like we believe we're independent people, evil believes it's independent and bad. Let's go back to that analogy. The hundredth person hired has no clue that the king is involved in this story and they're in it just to do something immoral. So now, let's, let's review this. Evil itself, in its source, is 100% godly, but as it comes down into this world and gets covered over more and more, it starts itself to believe that it's bad. So now, when someone is challenged and is something bad is happening in their life, our goal is for them to make that evil good. How can they do that? By revealing how the evil itself is good. We're not here to tell you accept bad. That's not what we're saying. We're not here to tell you what. If you're challenged, it's from Hashem. That's not what. It's true. But that's not what we're learning. We're learning if you want to change something bad, reveal its inner.
2: Can
0: I, well, let me just give an example. Someone tells me today he was all mad. He came to, he says, huh, I was forced to do something. Why? Because his wife told him to. <laughs> you know? He's like, my wife told me to. I didn't have an option. You know?
1: At least he was honest.
0: <laughs> if evil, if we want to go ahead and change something bad, let's call his wife to the scene. Let's, let's try and reveal, let's try and go deeper within it. You can, but you'll regret it. (laughs) Let's try to go deeper within it. And when we go deeper, we can change its course. I'm going to take your example in one moment. In one moment. I I want to flip it around. I know I'm talking for too much. I want to flip it around. Our goal in this conversation is not to accept the evil, to change it. Our goal is not to accept, but to change. How can you change it? By revealing the good within it. In our example of, the, of this king, the way you would change it is by having that last woman have a conversation with the first woman and just clarify, what's, clarify the story. Everything's going to change in a moment. As, as long as we can have the message relayed properly then that last person all of a sudden knows that if she's successful, the king's really going to be upset at her. We just, we just need to get the, the message relayed. Yes, go ahead.
2: So this is taking it from a totally different direction, and I'm not sure it's the same. So, But my example is the the attitude of people themselves are not bad, but sometimes they have bad behavior. What you're trying to do is change the behavior and have them understand that they themselves are good because they're creations of God but the behavior that they're no. exhibiting at that moment can have evil intentions
0: I mean that's a true point but I think over here we're saying a little deeper is we're saying deeper, deeper. Okay. meaning what, what you're saying is correct what you're saying is a true point that I, when someone I, I hear sins what you're
2: saying is we've been we've been poking at this from the standpoint of an individual's behavior and getting themselves Give an straightened out, but really, this is a discussion about uh, good and evil itself. This is not about people so much as it is about the nature of of uh, of good and evil. Of so where's the good? Of, of, of sadness good, and where's good and, and evil? Of sadness and joy. Give us another example. Of the good yeah.
0: the evil. You want an example of good within evil?
2: Yeah. Think of an
0: evil thing. Yes. Yes. On this? yes, 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 yes. 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 We're running out of time. Yes, David.
1: I hope I'm not venturing into apostasy here. But for me, the relevant argument is... I have given you a piece of godliness and I have given you free will. Therefore, you must challenge yourself to accept the responsibility to turn your face away from Yetzirah and to constantly bear in mind of your godly responsibilities because you have a godly quality.
0: Yes, we always need to be Fighting and bringing out the godliness within us and the good within us. An example of good within bad. First thing I want to say is I'm not God. And I don't want to be. I sh- Why
2: not? Yes, first of all,
0: I, I acknowledge. Thank you. Thank
1: no, you. We don't. We <laughs> <laughs> How do you answer that?
0: You know, one of the, one of the, allow me to say this, and forgive me for saying it, but I think it's a silly question when people say, I don't understand God. It's a silly question. Why should you understand God? But much deeper than that. You're lucky you don't understand God. He's God. If if you understood him, he wouldn't be God. So if you ask me to tell you what's the good and in, in bad, I'm not God. But I could give you some examples. I'll give you an example. There's a book, it's just a personal example, I just read. My, there's books that came out about my grandfather um, two weeks ago. And I encourage everyone to read it. It's quite an amazing book about, just, it's, it's not only about him, it's just about the war and the story that happened to my grandmother. Her family had gotten Visas, I believe it was to go to Portugal. The city, the exact country may be incorrect, but they got visas, forged visas, to go to a country in South... to go to a country in South America. So it wasn't Portugal. They got visas to go to a country in South America. The country in South America learned about... Well, let me stop for a moment. My mother's grandparents were very wealthy, and before my, before they needed to run away into hiding, so quite a, quite, it's quite scary what people did then, my great-grandmother went to someone who hollowed her teeth, and she hid diamonds in her teeth. Mm. And with that, she was lucky to be able to go to a farmer who hid them. Now, unfortunately, a lot of these farmers who hid people, they would take all your money at first, and when the Nazis would threaten them, there was no reason they wouldn't give you up. Was now, this Romania? I don't know exactly. Now, my, with my grand, great-grandmother's foresight, she would only every so often take out a diamond, and he knew that she had more money. And uh, therefore when the Nazis came threatening the farmer, he kept on hiding them, thank God. Um, And so when she got these visas, she decided that right now they're safe in the farmer's house, they're not gonna go and take a chance and try to escape. After the war, it became clear that the country who she had gotten visas to had found out that they were forged visas and they actually sent the Nazis the Germans lists of anyone who had a real visa and told them about everyone else and um, all those other people were taken to Auschwitz including 50 um, 50 family members from my mother's family. So in other words if they hadn't kept on hiding and had used the good opportunity they had, unfortunately they wouldn't be alive today. It's just the story that comes to mind. But I think we could, we could all look at, within ourselves and find... I mean, I'm sure here, if I would ask you all to look within yourself, you could find a story that looked at something negative and there was good within it. Okay, I, I completely went off topic. I would really like... It's already 9.02. If you need to go, I, I will not be upset if anyone walks out now. But I'd like to finish a small quote of Tanya, if that's okay. Okay. Let's get in. So, now that we have clarity that if we want to go ahead and bring out the good within the... If we want to go ahead and change the evil, we have to connect with it on its level. Its level is severity. We need it so the sadness, our sadness can trigger its source and hopefully bring out the good within it. So now we could understand what the rabbis of blessed memory said that a person should always rouse a good impulse, that is, whenever he perceives in his soul, that he is in need of it whenever a person sees that he needs to go ahead and bring out the good within the, within the bad that's happening, now, okay, so now, wage the war, fight, you're not going to physically fight because the fight right now is going to be through sadness. But the perpetuous time, what's the, best time to bec- <laughs> what's the best time to become sad? What's the best time? Which is a time specifically fitting for the majority of people, is when one is in any case troubled by mundane worries. If you're already worried about how you're going to make your month's, your month's rent, okay, so now you're already sad. So now let's talk about how low you are. And talk about how you have potential for inappropriate things more than the animals what we've discussed in previous chapters all these items which could bring you sadness when you're anyways sad is the best time to think about these items or simply without apparent cause even if there's no reason for you to be sad but if you're anyways one day if you're in a, if you're sad so then use that sadness now for godly reasons try and Focus on some of the items, the five items we've mentioned in previous chapters, which could bring you sadness. Then is the appropriate time to transform the sadness. Take your mundane sadness and transform it by becoming one of those masters of account mentioned earlier. Don't just be sad for whatever. Be sad for a holy reason. Think about how low you are. Whether it's how low you are because of your potential, whether it's how low you are because you've sinned, whether it's how low you are because of your dreams, as we've discussed in previous chapters, and to act on the counsel of the rabbis, that a person should always rouse his godly soul over his evil soul as has been mentioned above. Thereby will he rid himself of the dejection occasioned by mundane affairs. When someone goes ahead and he uses the sadness he's having for a mundane reason, for a godly opportunity, not only is he now going to be able to elevate his godly soul and reveal reveal the good, transform the bad into good, but also his mundane worries will go away. This is not the Alter Rebbe's idea, this is something we say in Pirkei Avot. We say, Kol Hamikabel, All Torah, someone who accepts the yoke of heaven, Ma'avir and Mimeno, we remove from him, old Derecheretz, the responsibilities of the world. Someone, when someone follows the paths of Torah, then many of his physical worries will be removed. So by someone going ahead and taking his mundane sadness, his sadness from physical worry into spiritual worry, may God thereby remove his physical worry, remove the cause of his physical worry. Let's try and make a summary. Hopefully everyone will forgive me if, I, if, if they're leaving with no clarity. And next week we'll start again. We'll have a far brain and we could sing. Next week will be much easier. We won't have to worry. So in summary, in summary, In summary,
1: sweet,
0: the coffee was sweet. tzar lotzar. tzar lotzar. It was sweet. We say, in every time that a Jew has a pain, God is pained. That's a low level, a low perspective on a challenge. A so low perspective is that God's in there. It's from God. It's true. It's true. That's a lower perspective. A much deeper perspective is that if I can get to the source of where this evil is coming from, I have the ability to transform it into good. Because in its source, it is purely good. Okay, thank you all for joining. (laughs) Have a good night. (laughs) Any questions?